The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. When I was asked to come talk, I actually uh, was really happy to hear that IMC had started a single sangha. Um, around the time that I came to the practice, it, I came to the practice because of a divorce. And, um, you know, I had kids and 18 years of a relationship and it all ended. And so I'd always wanted to be serious about my practice and didn't, couldn't really as a mom, you know, and whatnot. So... Now I had more time. And so uh, after a while, I, I was very interested in connecting with other single people. And I remember driving to Spirit Rock for their sp- singles group. Um, and that was a long way to drive. I live nearby. So I was very happy when I heard that IMC was, was uh, starting a single sangha. Um, for me, it was... Uh, I only went once, but um, it's interesting. It, was, it felt kind of nice to me that it existed and um, was a place potentially to go and sort of connect with people um, around, you know, who were single, really, and whatever that meant. So um, so tonight, um, what I thought I'd talk about is uh, saying yes. Um, and, you know, how do we say yes to all kinds of things? Yes to divorce... Yes to being single, yes to happiness, yes to all all kinds of things. Um, I found that uh, it's I say a, no a lot more than I would have realized if I didn't sort of step back and observe myself. And um, I find that saying yes actually it brings a lot more ease um, and even joy to my life. Somebody said to me, um, or said at a conference I went to, that, uh, and I really like this saying, life is additive, not subtractive, right? So if you think about that, for me, that, when I think about that, I think, okay, well, how does, what does that mean? So, you know, well, it's true, I can't, get rid of the past, right? You can't really erase memories. You might forget, but you can't sort of subtract things. They might be there somewhere in your mind. You never know, right? Seems like there's an awful lot in there that we aren't consciously aware of. And, you know, even even people um, who aren't physically in my life are still somehow within me. So I, I kind of, the more I thought about it, the more I felt like it really, it really is true, but, but there's this habit or this effort or this movement to trying to say no. I don't like that feeling. <laughs> oh, that wasn't a very good experience. I don't really want to remember it. Right? There's a, a, a lot of that that happens um, for me. I don't know about you guys. But... Um, it's stressful. It's actually stressful to try and take things and push them away. Um, somehow there's usually a way to say yes to things. And, you know, this can be very complicated because, right, there's all kinds of things to say yes or 
a no to, but um, I think about, you know, another way to think about the yes is to think about being open-hearted. So, sort of to expand the conversation, I think I'll read you a little something. It's uh, by Tar Brock. Do you guys know who Tar Brock is? It's called A Heart That Is Ready for Anything. When the Buddha was dying, he gave a final message to his beloved attendant Ananda and to generations to come. He said, Be a lamp unto yourself, be a refuge. To yourself. Take yourself to no external refuge. In his last words, the Buddha was urging us to see this truth. Although you may search the world over trying to find it, your ultimate refuge is none other than your own being. There's a bright light of awareness that shines through each of us and guides us home, and we're never separated from this luminous awareness any more than waves are separated from the ocean. Even when we feel most ashamed or lonely, reactive or confused, we're never actually apart from the awakened state of the heart-mind. The Buddha was essentially saying, you know, I'm not the only one with this light. All ordinary beings have this essential wakefulness. And in fact, this open loving awareness is our deepest nature. We don't need to go somewhere or change ourselves. Our true refuge is what we are. And uh, Sayadaw Upandita described this in a different way, and he said, a heart that is ready for anything. That's sort of how he described it. When we trust that we are the ocean, we're not afraid of the waves. We have confidence in whatever arises that it's workable. And to me, that's, that's a yes, right? We have confidence that whatever arises is workable. Okay. You know, it's a way... It's not like, okay, I'm, I'm going to just take it exactly the way it is, but it's going to be workable. I can say yes to it. Um, we don't have to lose um, our life in preparation. We don't have to defend against what's next. So defensiveness to me is, um, is a no, Right? I was uh, having dinner with my partner actually recently and um, it was very interesting because I was talking about, um, I was recently diagnosed with migraines. So I was talking about um, the migraines and how I was feeling and, um, you know, but it's okay, right? For me, it's like, it's it's okay. It's kind of good to know what's going on and instead of trying to take gobs of, ibuprofen and Tylenol that aren't really touching it, you know, there's medication that works better. But he said to me, he was like, oh, you know, he was very compassionate. And I was like, no, it's okay. (laughs) And I, you know, kind of, we kind of took it apart a little bit in a very nice way. And I kind of realized, you know, it's a lot easier for me to give compassion to others than to receive it, especially when it's about me in that kind of a way or when I don't think it's a big deal. And, and so that was another sort of subtle way of sort of saying no, right? And I think that, um, 
you know, it, we, we're so not aware often, I guess I should say myself, because maybe you guys all are, of all the ways that we're, kind of the way we want life to be or how we want to be related to, right, or what we want to have happen next. And when we're kind of living from that space, um, we can't really say a big yes to anything. My experience is that no moment, no moment is the same as anyone before, right? No person is the same as anyone else. So if we think we can kind of predict and control and manage how things are going to go, we're just going to be surprised because we can't. How can we, we can't do any, something we can't predict. You know, there's just so many different things going on. So, A question Tara asks is, um, can I imagine what it would be like in this moment to have a heart that is ready for anything? Right? What's a heart that's ready for anything? And what would that be like? How do we say yes, you know, to life in that kind of a way? It takes, to me, you know, it takes a lot of slowing down. I have to really slow down. It, this, it reminds me even of, you know, there, there's so many layers to this. So uh, sometimes, you know, like on my month-long retreat, you can get really still, right? And the reactivity kind of goes away and I remember one day um, I was sitting outside and I was uh, there was a fly right and there had been lots of flies but this fly came up landed on me was hanging out and I didn't care at all (laughs) there was no like there was none of that like just even that movement right of wanting to go away go away right you know which is just so instantaneous most of the time like kind of trying to swat it away or, ooh, you know, thinking about what it is and what it's doing on my skin or some level of saying no to what's happening. And it was really pretty amazing to have a moment of like, literally, it was really okay. I could let the fly be on me and it was not, not an effort. There was no effort. It was just a simple agreement and okay, this is what's happening. So I think that, you know, there's just the levels that we can get to with saying yes are, are kind of almost unimaginable, I, I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, and, and um, I think we, we miss a lot of opportunities in life to, to join with others or even to connect with ourselves and our experience in a moment because of this just natural tendency, right, um, Even, you know, um, this is kind of funny to me to think about, but I remember, you know, when I drove to Spirit Rock for the single Sangha event, and it was a big deal. I drove a long way, and 
it was, you know, it only happened once a month and, you know, sort of the stars had to align for me to get there. And I, I remember just sort of being sort of a little standoffish, <laughs> a little critical of how it was structured. And then they wanted us to do this like pairs thing and go around. And I, I, there was a lot of me that was saying, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> to just, you know, whether it felt, I felt too shy or it just felt awkward or I was critical or, you know, but sitting back and watching somebody else lead something or do work that you know how to do, it's real easy to, to have an idea about how it could be done better. <laughs> So Tara goes on to say, if our hearts are ready for anything, we can open to our inevitable losses and to the depths of our sorrow. We can grieve our lost loves, our lost youth, our lost health, our lost capacities. This is part of our humanness, part of the expression of our love for life. As we bring a courageous presence to the truth of loss, we stay available to the immeasurable ways that love springs forth in our life. And that reminds me of um, uh, a dear Sangha friend, right? This idea of loss and love who died of cancer. And, um, but he had a great practice. And... Um, it was a gift to be a friend to him and to help and support him saying yes to what was going on. Yes to having cancer, yes to dying, yes to leaving his children, his wife, his home, his dog, his sangha, you know, all the things that, you know, he had given and been. But it was such a beautiful practice and that idea that Love comes forth. It was like at the end of his life, he just smiled. He just was so radiantly happy. And it was like he was so in touch with the loss, the impermanence, the, the, the constant coming and going, and, and how much, you know, he had. That it just, it just, he was able to receive that and meet each moment with just tremendous joy. And there's something about sort of um, a freedom, I think, that can come when we can say yes to even those, those most difficult things and that it really does allow love to come forward or joy to come forward. That there's the no or the trying to prevent or not look at or not have things happen, even these most difficult things, actually shuts down everything. It shuts down sort of the grief or the loss, but also shuts down the capacity to love and to open and to connect. If our hearts are ready for anything, we are free to be ourselves. I like that. There's room for the wildness of our animal selves, for passion and play, 
There's room for our human selves, for intimacy and understanding, creativity and productivity. There's room for spirit, for the light of awareness to suffuse our moments. If our hearts are ready for anything, we're touched by the beauty and poetry and mystery that fill our world. So an undefended undefended heart is a heart that says yes, right? And a defended heart is a heart that says no. But life is additive. So even the no's we're adding. We're adding the experience of saying no and the effect and the outcome of saying no. I think another um, another thing that saying yes is is saying yes is listening, like being open to hearing, to receiving the moment, and um, to listen is to lean in softly with a willingness to be changed by what we hear. When we're fully in that listening presence, when there's that pure quality of receptivity, we become presence itself. And when we're in that open presence, we can really respond to the life that's here. Pure listening is letting go of control. It's not easy and it takes training, right? There's all these subtle ways that we say no. But, you know, we can learn to be open to all of our own feelings even, our own tendencies, even the things we don't like, right? We can say, oh yes, here's this. So, listening means putting down control. It's not a small thing to do, and yet it's only when we can let go of that controlling that we open up to the real purity of loving. So I had an idea that um, I heard that the sangha that's not here (laughs) really enjoyed um, talking to each other, right? So I thought it would be fun to break up into groups of three. And um, I'll give you guys an exercise, a listening and sharing exercise to do. So, so um, just notice in yourself if you're saying yes or no to your experience or partly yes and partly no. <laughs> just checking in, right, back to the theme and, and just noticing how the yes or the no or the maybe feels in the body. And um, would anybody like to uh, share anything about the experience that you had? Any reflections on the practice or the idea, the notion of saying Yes? Or what it was like to do this in your groups? Great. Mm. 
<laughs> I, it also, I, I, yeah, one of my new friends can't stop laughing, as you can see. And I, it so happens I'm a stand-up comedian as well. So, <laughs> yes, uh, that's great. It's kind of a blend, something I say yes to. So uh, Beautiful. I'm, I'm just, I'm glad to be here. Uh, much more glad than I was like an hour ago. <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for teaching tonight. Yeah. Great. Thank you. All right. Do you want mind delivering the microphone? <laughs> um, yeah, that was nice. It's um, it's good to be aware of like. So one of my experiences was um, the very first sentence. As soon as she said the words "open a heart," I was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and I actually had like a physical reaction where I like put my head in my hands and I didn't want to talk about that um so um because the whole exercise is like trying to say yes instead of no um it was very it was sort of I don't know it was like a meta experience um and it's always nice to I don't know when you are in a like a group um situation like this where it's kind of like a safe place. We're here for the same reasons. It's a good place to practice saying yes. And hopefully we can bring it out into our lives more and more. But I like the, just the words that very clearly say like, I can say yes to this. Um, it's made me realize uh, all the no's that I've been saying lately without even realizing it. So. Yeah, thank you. Um, I also really enjoyed the exercise, and I was thinking the open and closed heart. Um, like when my heart is closed off, I, I feel I'm not. You know, it's easy to feel like oh, I only I feel this way, and it kind of makes you feel separate from others. Yeah, which I think is one of the delusions in Buddhism. So it was yes. really nice to hear like my other the, the things my the people in my group. Um, we're saying, it's like, oh, me too. And so it makes that separation feel less. Beautiful. So yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Any other reflections? Very similar along the lines of what you were just saying. It was striking in our group how pretty much anything any one of us had to say was true. It was just deeply true of, of the human condition mm-hmm. for each of us. Mm-hmm. And there's something really beautiful about that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the exercise. Nice. Great. Thank you for saying yes to the exercise. <laughs> that feels so good. <laughs> oh, the comedian wants to say something else. <laughs> okay. Uh, on, on the last question that you offered us, we weren't clear okay. on what it was supposed to be, so we ended up kind of improvising, and there's, there were... Would you mind restating with the question? Not at all. Um, if you put down ideas of what life should be like, how things should be, as opposed to how they are. Okay, so we're, we're, when you were saying that, my, where my mind was going was kind of, I want a life free of suffering, right? Which is kind of what we're doing here. But I, I guess my, my new friends had different thoughts 
uh, would you would you like to say what yours was? Or what, uh, not to put you on the spot, but I'm, <laughs> I'm working the crowd here. <laughs> I think I just did it like I'll put down, like put away this idea. Mm. Like I don't want this idea as part of the life I lead. Mm. Like put it down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. No, I'm just I'm getting the microphone back. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> my, my other teammate, do you want to say what your interpretation was? Um, I I, I'm taking over here. <laughs> I don't mean to take over. It's just that. Um, I thought it was like if you were to put down, like if you were to write down. Ah, great. I love it. This is awesome. <laughs> More ideas, right? <laughs> of course, my answer was I'd be afraid I got it wrong. Just, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, okay. Well, let me... Um, let me, uh, it, well, just any, anyone else want to say anything before I have a closing story to read to you on this topic? Yes, great. Do you mind using the microphone? I, I just, for me, it was a very timely message. It was like, mm. this is the second time this message has come up, like, kind of, like, big in front of me this week. And, um, and I was very appreciative of that. And then the exercise was delightful, and it was hard to repeat back because I found us one. I found I wanted to have a conversation. It was like, well, I had a question. Like, well, tell me more about that. And so, it was challenging to sort of stick with the rules of the mm-hmm. exercise because you pretty quickly got to, well, I want to know more. Like, tell me more about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, like I said, it's a listening exercise, right? So, um, and that can bring up a lot of things. I'm glad you commented on that part of it, right? Um, one one of the reflections um, that can happen is that if you are focused on listening, you, instead of preparing what you're going to say, you listen, right? That was sort of the idea was to try and help you sort of really attune to what somebody was saying and not so much think about compare well if I did that I would or you know because we do a lot of that so because it really is a gift to listen to just listen receive what you know lean in open up say yes to what you're saying and and I my understanding is that um, there'll be a, a half an hour after I'm done talking very soon for you to continue your conversation if you want and to ask any question you want of each other. So I'm kind of priming the pump. (laughs) Okay. Now, was there another comment or are we good to go? Comments are all good, so it's, it's great. All right. Zen, um, there's a Zen teacher, Ed Brown. Uh, He's a brilliant cook and the founder of Green's Restaurant in San Francisco. You guys all know it, right? Okay. In his early days as a cook at Tassajara, at the Mountain Retreat Center, he had a problem. No matter what recipe or variation of ingredients he tried, he couldn't get his biscuits to come out right. His unreachable standard, as he discovered, was set years earlier. Growing up, he had made and loved Pillsbury biscuits. (laughs) Finally, one day came a shifting into place, an awakening, a not right compared to what? Oh, my word. 
I'd been trying to make canned Pillsbury biscuits. <laughs> then came an exquisite moment of actually tasting my biscuits without comparing them to some previously hidden standard. They were weedy, flaky, buttery, sunny, earthy, real. They were incomparably alive, present, vibrant, in fact, much more satisfying than any memory. These occasions can be so stunning, so liberating, these moments when you realize your life is just fine as it is. Thank you. Only the insidious comparison to a beautifully prepared, beautifully packaged product made it seem insufficient. Trying to produce a biscuit, a life with no dirty bowls, no messy feelings, no depression, no anger, was so frustrating. Then savoring, actually tasting the present moment of experience, how much more complex and multifaceted, how unfathomable. There is something wonderfully bold and liberating about saying yes to our entire imperfect and messy life. With even a glimmer of that possibility, joy rushes in. Yet, when we've been striving to make Pillsbury biscuits for a lifetime, the habits of perfectionism don't easily release their grip. When mistrust and skepticisms creep in, we might be tempted to back down from embracing our life unconditionally. It takes practice, learning to bounce back each time we're dragged down by what seems to be wrong. But as Ed points out, when we stop comparing ourselves to some assumed standard of perfection, the biscuits of today, this very life we are living right now, can be tasted and explored, honored and appreciated fully. When we put down ideas of what life should be, we are free to wholeheartedly say yes to our life as it is. Maybe we should sit for a quiet moment and dedicate the merit of our practice to every single living being. Single, no pun intended. Thank you very much for your yeses.